Welcome to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm BHE Senior Editor Tom Valentino, and today we are joined by Steve Millette, the Executive Director of Glue, which is a technology firm based in Boulder, Colorado. Glue, as I'm sure many of you listeners know, serves the recovery and behavioral health industry, and uh, the organization's working with our group, the Psychiatry and Behavioral Health Learning Network, to help monitor some industry trends and educate executives in the field on uh, where their peers stand on uh, some key issues. Steve, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Glue and uh, this project that you're working on with us? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, great to be here today. I appreciate it. Um, as you said, Glue is a Boulder-based company. Uh, we're a trusted technology platform, uh, and we provide uh, that technology to organizations that we consider uh, champion organizations, organizations that champion personal growth. And so you mentioned that we were in the behavioral health and recovery space. We're also in the church and faith space. Um, in fact, we've been in that space a little bit longer. So some of what we're going to talk about today uh, had some of its origins and some of the uh, application in that space. But Glue basically provides access to an integrated ecosystem of advanced data and analytics and applications and has created a marketplace for organizations who are dedicated to improving people's lives. Okay. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about the director's poll that uh, you've teamed up with uh, the Learning Network on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, you know, we, we did start serving in the church and faith world, and the major partnership that um, has evolved in that space uh, was between Glue and the Barna Group. And the Barna Group is essentially a research and consulting organization uh, that does a lot of industry uh, training, consulting, and uh, and research uh, in the church or faith space. And so um, when we approached uh, the Psychiatry and Behavioral Health Learning Network last year, we had that basic paradigm in mind. And um, we um, had some conversations with Doug, and we ended up with a slightly different uh, kind of partnership, but uh, no, none, um, you know, no less vital uh, in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so we did partner and created um, a uh, collaborative effort um, called CARE, the Collaborative for the Advancement of Recovery Excellence. Um, and that's sort of the version of the vertical partnership that uh, um, they've established in the church vertical with the Barna Group. Um, as an initiative co-sponsor with the Psychiatry and Behavioral Health Learning Network, we're bringing thought leaders and research partners and professional associations together to work on advancing the critical elements of behavioral health care. Um, and it's designed to provide industry leaders uh, the help to improve and innovate and advance in the areas specifically around client recovery, wellness, and organizational improvement. Um, we have an advisor group of uh, 10 members now. Uh, they're industry experts, subject matter experts, researchers, and innovators in the space. Um, we did, uh, in the beginning, create um, sort of this paradigm of four key areas of high organizational performance, specifically um, care, for, care for the caregiver, um, a focus on recovery-oriented care, care for families and loved ones, and measurement-based care, data-driven, informed outcomes. Those are kind of the four key areas that we ended up working together on. And we created the state of the industry poll um, that um, polled the industry, industry leaders, uh, on um, the application uh, and the way that those four critical areas um, inform their care delivery, their service, and organizational development. Um, so that was the kind of early part of this year when we focused on that. All right, so this launched back in the springtime earlier this year. Obviously, 
something else pretty significant happened uh, in the world uh, around that time. How did this whole initiative get impacted by COVID-19? Yeah, great uh, question. Um, obviously, State of the Industry um, actually was able to get launched and we were able to publish a white paper based on the findings of it. Um, but it seemed to be a little bit um, out of touch with the current situation that most behavioral health care providers found themselves in uh, come March. Um, and so, you know, in consultation with our advisor group uh, and uh, with PBHLN, we talked um, about the need to sort of pivot what we were trying to accomplish. And similar to the way uh, Glue had uh, pivoted his partnership with Barna um, by innovating to provide more real-time responsive feedback to the industry um, around the impact uh, of COVID. Um, and so we did that. We pivoted our efforts um, and pivoted the state of the industry survey, which was going to be kind of recurring throughout the year um, and you know um, show data over time on those four pillars. We really started asking different questions specifically around the impact of COVID on operations and trying to feed that information back to you know, organizational leaders and um, decision makers so that they could have better insight into what was happening and what they could learn from, from their peers and others in the industry. Um, and so we did that, you know, probably starting in April-ish. So with that in mind then, what, what kind of things have you learned in terms of uh, the ways uh, providers are being affected by COVID? Yeah, we had, um, we had a number of uh, things that we learned. Um, one is that, um, you know, some of what we were focusing on was a little bit modeled after what was happening in the church world and certainly informed by the polling that we were doing uh, in, the, in, the, in the church and faith space as well. Um, I won't get into a full you know, kind of regurgitation of all the data, but we'll make the link available to some of the results. Um, and we've got some data briefs and some, um, uh, you know, access to all of those, all of those results. Um, um, but we were learning that uh, specifically, um, you know, there's a lot happening um, very early on that um, kind of was evolving and changing over time. And um, one of the things that um, was uh, fairly obvious is that in the behavioral health world, uh, as opposed to in the church world, uh, depending on what kind of provider you are, you were, um, you were impacted differently. Um, and so, you know, residential or inpatient services were deemed essential services, medication assisted treatment programs um, had different kinds of impacts than the standard outpatient providers who weren't providing necessarily the, um, you know, the OTP level care and those kinds of things. So there was quite a bit of variability, um, but there was sort of immediate early impact um, hitting census hitting people um, just not available um, or willing to come to services or organizations having to shut down altogether until they figured out how they could provide services in a safe and effective manner. Um, and that's where we saw a pretty rapid uptake and adoption of technology once they started to figure out, okay, how do we bridge the gap? Uh, how do we provide continuity of care uh, for, the, for our current patients? And how do we continue to keep the doors open for new patients uh, as, um, as things evolved. Yeah, you know, I think that's actually been one of the biggest storylines that we've been following here with uh, BHE all summer. Um, a lot of reporting in terms of just how much more technology and telehealth have become integral to providers' operations. Um, 
you know, we hear it on anecdotally in conversations with a lot of the you know, the leaders that we're talking to. Uh, do you have specific numbers uh, in terms of just, you know, how much of an uptake there has been in, you know, shifting operations online? Yeah, I mean, there's been several polls that I've paid attention to. And obviously the uh, director poll itself has shed some light on that um, as well. Um, you know, one poll that I pulled up, that was done by um, a carrier provider um, talked about 97% of practices that they serve now use telehealth to conduct patient visits. Um, that was like compared to 22% of their practices uh, pre COVID um, and um, something like 88% of those surveyed say in June, say they plan to continue uh, to use telehealth uh, even post pandemic. Um, Qualifax did a survey with the National Council. This was actually published on PPHLN. 80% uh, of respondents said that they are currently providing at least 60% of their care and services virtually. Uh, and prior to the pandemic, 93% of the respondents provided less than 20% of their, of their services virtually. So huge uptick. And as we know, um, some of that was just sort of survival. How do we continue to keep the doors open? And how do we continue to provide continuity of care for 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 our patients, for our clients. Um, you know, in our director poll that we did in our collaborative effort with PBHLN and CARE, um, you know, relative to the use of telehealth or virtual digital tools, um, probably the most significant is the percent of organizations that reported that they will keep using digital uh, virtual technologies after the COVID crisis. So in July, when we surveyed um, more than 17% in August, more than 20% said that 50% or more of their services would be delivered via tele or virtual services on an ongoing basis. And so that was a pretty significant finding. Um, you know, the poll itself um, kind of mirrored some of those early uptick of uh, the use of telehealth and virtual services. Some of that 80 to 90% range of organizations had dramatically increased their use of it. Um, but or as organizations got um, more familiar with it and they started um, kind of overcoming some of the initial inertia and resistance to it, um, it, it seemed to um, kind of turn a light bulb on for a lot of them. At least that's what the data was indicating. Um, and that light bulb was, hey, this stuff might work um, more than just as a, as a crisis solution, but it might actually help um, solve a lot of the current challenges that we face um, and had faced even pre-COVID. Are there other uh, specific topics covered within the director's poll that you've heard a lot of conversation about? Any findings that uh, that you've had um, beyond the stuff around telehealth that uh, you, you've noticed has generated a lot of interest? Yeah, like in addition to um, asking um, directors about uh, the use of telehealth, we asked them about the use of digital tools in general, uh, especially tools to help them evaluate how their clients are doing to use tools to evaluate, um, you know, um, how their outcomes were faring, um, not just, um, you know, standardized measurement-based care, but longitudinal outcomes, as well as informal uh, check-ins, how people were doing um, when they uh, relied more and more on virtual solutions, how do they stay in touch with people when they don't see them face-to-face -face every day? Um, so when we were, when we asked the primary way they assess how their people are doing, um, most providers, they didn't have a formal method, uh, to determine, you know, how, the, how their clients were doing. Um, and it was still pretty anecdotal. Um, 
So the use of digital tools to assess this really has increased, however, um, through August. Um, and so from 14% in July to 25% in August, that they're more and more adapting digital tools, not just for care delivery like telehealth, but just to check in on how their clients are doing and to gather data on how their clients are doing. All right. So what's next for the director's poll from here? Yeah. So with that in mind, um, you know, we've seen um, quite a bit of pullback. Um, you know, some of the early indicators were, were that um, telehealth would be here to stay, right? It had, you know, gone up to some, uh, you know, thousands of percent increase uh, across the board, but we're seeing some pullback and, you know, we kind of, um, that's not totally surprising to me because like I said, many of those providers were really trying to solve an immediate crisis problem, a continuity of care problem. And then as soon as it became viable and feasible to reopen the doors and bring people back in person, uh, they kind of fled back to that. So we saw some of that. Um, so we want to kind of better understand that comment, that flight back to in person, and where is the where is the industry going to settle in terms of um, the use of virtual tools? Um, it seems to me that the the natural place for the director poll to start focusing is, you know, what are the uh, criteria that providers and organizations will use to determine the right mix, the right balance of in person and virtual tools. Um, what's their business model um, in terms of seeing digital as a net new opportunity to add more, um, you know, um, service uh, revenue lines? And um, what's their strategy to use digital to fill in gaps that they once experienced to reach more people? Um, things like that will be where we where we start focusing um, our questions in um, in terms of the uh, director poll. I see our director poll um, really trying to surface new insights about the appreciation for the virtual and digital solutions. Like I said earlier, I think a lot of the initial um, resistance um, was overcome um, simply because it was a mother of invention, right? They needed to solve an immediate crisis. And in the, in the process of doing so, they learned of the inherent value um, solve all the problems that weren't necessarily crisis oriented. All right. Good stuff. I, uh, I do want to let our listeners know that uh, we're going to have links uh, to both uh, where you can participate in future director polls, uh, as well as uh, to where you can view some of the results of past polls. Um, also going to put up a link to the uh, Collaborative Advancement of Recovery Excellence Hub that's uh, on our website that uh, Steve discussed earlier. Uh, Steve, good stuff all around. Um, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we close up shop here today? Um, I don't think so, Tom, except to say that um, it's, it's a, a really exciting time for the industry to kind of um, come to this place where um, the use of tools and technology could potentially help move um, more rapidly to solving some of the sort of once intractable problems, especially around um, measuring um, quality of care, measuring outcomes, and then the ability to reach more people more efficiently, more effectively. Um, and I think, you know, the issue of access, the issue of quality, the issue of value, uh, and the issue of long-term impact and outcomes um, I think um, we needed technology to kind of have this leap forward in order for us to really advance. Um, so 
it's a good time to be having uh, these conversations, although under difficult uh, circumstances for many organizations. Um, I think there'll be that silver lining. All right. Steve Millett, great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. All right. One more reminder, you can subscribe to the BHE podcast on Apple Podcasts, the TuneIn app, and uh, many other podcast listening platforms. Our thanks again to Steve Millett, the executive director of Glue. That's going to do it for us. I'm BHE senior editor Tom Valentino, and this has been the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. <music>